Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom. I am Dr. Ann Davis of Bible Interact, and today I would like to talk about something that happens to all of us. At some time in your life, you have hit rock bottom. Perhaps you're at rock bottom right now, or perhaps you know someone close to you who is either at rock bottom or or approaching rock bottom. I want to take a look in Scripture at three people who hit the depth of rock bottom that is is beyond imagination. It's beyond anything that's happened in my life. And, of course, I've hit a very serious rock bottom, as I think we all have. So we'll take a look at three people in Scripture. And I want to see how they respond to this hitting rock bottom. We're going to find that, in each case, it led to an incredible blessing that was life-changing. And this life-changing event not only affected them, but it affected all the people around them, and even contributed to God's plan of redemption. Now, responding to something that is rock bottom is, is very hard. When you hit rock bottom, you are so deep in the depth of whatever it is, whether it's depression or, or so, something, you're just so, so deep that you're, you're in this black, bottomless pit, and it, and it seems very hard to, to, to dig yourself out of it. it. It is hard. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine recently who has a member of her family that has had a serious addiction for a number of years, and she and her husband have been helping this member of the family, uh, off, you know, giving rehab um, programs and, and helping with, with finances, helping with the children, helping in all kinds of ways. They've just made a very, very difficult decision, and I, and I applaud them for it. They have decided to stop giving this person any kind of help or support. Because that person has to hit rock bottom before turning to God. And that, that's, all, that's all that this story is going to show you, is, is turning to God. Now, how to turn to God is another matter. And, and we'll take a look at that in Scripture also. But I also want you to see the result of turning to God, which, which brings you out of this, this deep black hole. We're going to start with Samson. You all know the story of Samson and Delilah. But I want to anchor us in the biblical text and in the historical period. Samson is living at the end of the period of the Judges. The Judges is a time of about 400 years, actually, after the children of Israel entered the Promised Land, after they had been freed from bondage during the exodus from Egypt, they had spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness as God was instructing them with the law and through a process of testing. Then they entered the promised land, and when they did, they occupied 12 different tribal areas. 
They were not a united kingdom. They were living in these 12 different tribal areas. So Samson is living at the end of this period. He comes from the tribe of Dan. Dan occupied a territory west of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is up in the hill country. So as you slope down toward the coastal plain, you hit the area of Dan. Dan was actually given the the bottom of the hill country where it's it's just starting to, to flatten out a little bit and the flat area. Uh, Dan never occupied the flat area. That was That was held by the Philistines. But let's look at Samson now. Samson was from the tribe of Dan. He was living in in the the lower slope of the hill country before it dropped into the coastal plain. That's where he was living. So he was very close to the Philistines on the coast. And we see him uh, during his entire life. He's in, in confrontation with the Philistines. The Philistines were the enemy. Somehow they had to be destroyed. The 12 tribes were not united yet in a united kingdom and so did not have the ability to to defeat the Philistines. So Samson uh, spent the major part of his adult life and you know against fighting against the the Philistines single-handedly and then of course he met Delilah um, who was a beautiful Philistine woman and Delilah deceived him and led him to tell her the source of his strength, which was his hair, and he cut uh, cut off his hair, or she cut off his hair, and so he lost his strength, and the Philistines were able to capture him. This is where I want to take up the story, because this is where we're going to see Samson hitting absolute rock bottom. We're reading in Judges chapter 16, verse 21. Then the Philistines seized Samson, and gouged out his eyes. I want you to get a visual image and I want you to feel it. Feel it in part. It, they would have taken a spear, a long-handled spear, or perhaps a dagger, and heated the point of the spear or the dagger in hot coals, and then they would have jabbed it into the eye socket, and then jabbed it into the other eye socket and the, the, the fluid from the eye would have been draining down the eyes. Samson was bound. There was nothing he could do. And, 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 and he, was, he was blind. They, they gouged out his eyes and he was blind. And then in Judges 16.21 it continues, And they brought him down to Gaza. Right, Gaza was one of the Philistine cities. And bound him with bronze chains so that he couldn't, he couldn't get away. And he was a grinder in the prison. Uh, that word for grinding refers to that crushing, and 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 you know that it was used for crushing the you know the olives. So it, so we're not quite sure how it's used here. Whether that was a, um, a, a something that he had to do while he was in prison, but I think it probably the 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 Hebrew image of the word is that he was just totally, 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 totally crushed. That's what it means. And then it continues. The, uh, the Philistines decided to have a great celebration. And they were going to offer sacrifices to their pagan god, Dagon. And about 3,000 of them collected in Gaza. There was a lord of Gaza. There were seven Philistine cities. Each Philistine city had a lord that ruled that city. 
And the Lord of Gaza invited all the people and they came and there were 3,000 of them that came to his palace in, in Gaza. And then we get the, 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 uh, more of the story here. Samson has been degraded to, to, to an extreme. He has hit rock bottom. He, his eyes have been gouged out and he is crushed beyond even imagination in prison. I mean, that seems like rock bottom, but there's more. It's going to get worse. And, you know, I, we have the, the saying, it, it, um, uh, the, <laughs> I can't remember it now, but something has to happen really bad before the, before, before, um, before it gets better. And this is what's happening in this account. And we read in verse 25, it so happened that they were in high spirits. So that, you know, they've been drinking. This is a festival, 3,000 of them. They're having a great time. They said, call for Samson that he may amuse us. So they call for Samson from the prison and he entertained them. Now these words are referring to sexual degradation. The men of the Philistines degraded Samson sexually. I think you can get, get an image of that, and, and that was the, the, the final deep degradation that Samson had to, um, that had to, uh, uh, to live through. What happened next, of course, is that Samson, he was blind, but he could feel the two pillars on either side of him. He pushed those two pillars with the left hand. He pushed out with the right hand. He pushed out. Those pillars came down. The entire palace collapsed. I think, unfortunately, I have an image of the um, uh, on 9-11 um, and, and the collapse of, of that tower that we've probably all seen, the incredible collapse of the tower. And that's, that's what happened with the palace of the Philistines, and all 3,000 were killed. Now, Samson was killed also, but the blessing came to Samson. He, it, the, the blessing was that his work for God was fulfilled because the Philistines were so weakened by this victory of Samson that it permitted the United Kingdom to emerge. All right, that's one account. The next account I want to take a look at is is David. Now, David, as a young man, was was too young to fight in the army of Saul. After the account with Samson, the tribes of uh, gathered and they and they said to Samuel the prophet they said we must have a king we must unite against the Philistines so that we can defeat the Philistines our enemy we must have a king to do that and the king that was chosen was Saul Saul then gathered an army to fight against the Philistines and David was too young to join the army but David asked permission from his father to take to his older brothers some food to the army. And when he came to that location, the Valley of Elah, where the Saul and the Israelites were on one side of the valley and the Philistine army was on the other side of the valley, and down in the middle of the valley was sort of no man's land and it was a standoff, and the Philistines um, sent down this, this their giant Goliath warrior and said, we don't need to fight the two armies. 
If you just send your strongest man against this giant Goliath, and if he can defeat Goliath, then we will go away. You will have won the battle. Well, of course, Saul was was very large. That's one reason why he was, was chosen. He was very, very tall, very large, and it was expected that he would go down and fight Goliath, but he knew he couldn't do that. <laughs> and along came David, and David said, oh, I can fight Goliath, and that's the story of David and Goliath. Now, after that, uh, Saul invites David into his household. As David grows, he becomes a soldier, a warrior, with soldiers of his own fighting for Saul, and was quite victorious beyond the victories of Saul, and so Saul became very jealous. And it appeared that Saul was going to take David and kill him because David was becoming a contender to the throne. Saul's son, Jonathan, was a good friend of David and told him what was going to happen, so David was able to escape. He escaped without food. He escaped without weapons. And then we're going to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 21. And we see here that David, without food, without weapons, came to Nob, to the priest of Nob, and he asked for bread. The priest said, I do not have any ordinary bread. I only have consecrated bread, consecrated for God. And David said, I have not been with a woman, so I am holy. And this is all part of the ancient culture. They had to abstain from uh, sex to be holy to fight a war for God. And uh, so he said, I am holy. And so the priest gave him the the, um, consecrated bread to eat. So God provided food for him. And then David said, I need a weapon. And the priest said, the only weapon I have is the sword of Goliath. And he gave David the sword of Goliath. So David now has food to sustain him, to maintain his life. And he has a sword in order to fight. But what happens next is hitting the bottom because there's nowhere he can go where Saul has has control and authority. Where can he go where he's out of the reach of Saul? He went to a camp of the Philistines. He went to the enemy. Now this this has to be hitting rock bottom to be able the, the only place to go where you can you know stay alive is in the camp of your enemy. That's got to be rock bottom. And we're re- I'm reading now again in First Samuel chapter 21 down to um, uh, verse 10. So David fled that day from Saul and went to Ahish, king of Gath. Gath was was a, um, a Philistine city. He went to the Philistine city. But the servants of Ahish said to him, Is this not David the king of the land? Now Saul was the king of the land, but David had emerged as as the most powerful one, so they're identifying him as the king of the land, did they not sing of this one as they danced, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and greatly feared Ahish, king of Gath. So he's put himself in the very uh, the very heart of the enemy camp in order to stay alive, but now his life is threatened by the enemy. And look at what he did. And, and talk about degradation. He had to disguise his sanity before them and acted insanely in their hands and scribbled on the doors of the gate and let his saliva run down into his beard. In the ancient world, this, this is the ultimate degradation, that he had to become insane. Or at least he, he projected himself as insane 
and the Philistines didn't want an insane person in their camp, so they let him go. But this is, and and now what what happened as a result? What happened? David refused to uh, fight against Saul. To, but he gathered men around him, um, who became an army with him. Uh, he had to hide out in caves, but eventually Saul was killed by the Philistines. David became the king. And under David, the 12 tribes were finally united into the United Kingdom. I was looking recently at the phrase servant of God to see who were servants of God in Scripture. There are uh, several of them who are identified as servants of God. But David, the term is used so many times, it's just, it, it hits you between the eyeballs. It's amazing that David was the ultimate servant of God, and under David, the king, the tribes were united, became a united kingdom, as which is, is prophecy foretelling the future kingdom of God that, that will come. So this is the degradation, the ultimate hitting rock bottom of David, and how he responded, he, he responded not by killing Saul. He responded by, by totally trusting in God. He had to wait. Look at the time he had to wait during Saul's kingship before Saul was, was finally killed and he became king. He had to wait with patience, trusting in God, um, in, in prayer, just trusting in God and waiting that period of time until God brought about the deliverance um, after he had hit rock bottom. The last person I want to take a look at is uh, Paul in the New Testament. Paul, his Hebrew name was Shaul, Saul or Shaul. He had been trained in Jerusalem under the great sage Gamliel. He was recognized as one of the great scholars of his time. He must have emerged to be one of the greatest, if not the top student of, of Gamliel. And his, his, the intensity of his desire to work for God was extreme, but of course he was working for God in a way that was contrary to God. He believed he was working for God, but he wasn't. I'm now in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, and we read here that Shaul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, those would have been believers in Christ, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So his zeal is to serve God, but he's doing it by killing Christians. And of course, this is contrary to God. Uh, killing anyone is contrary to God, I believe. Um, unless you do it according to 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 scripture here. Now, um, we know what follows. On the way to Damascus, just as he was approaching the, the city of Damascus, which would have been a walled city, Jesus confronted him in a blinding light, spoke to him, and Saul then understood that Yeshua the Messiah Yeshua from Nazareth was the promised Messiah from the Hebrew Scriptures. And he entered uh, uh, Damascus and was fervently, fervently witnessing this event and fervently witnessing Yeshua, the, the promised Messiah. 
And we read here in Acts, let's see, I'm in chapter 9, verse 22. Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. So he's witnessing to the Jews, and the, the Jews are 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 not going to accept him, and they're not going to accept his word, and they're going to turn against him because he's not this Shaul who came from the Sanhedrin, the high uh, in Jerusalem, uh, representing the leaders of, of, of the Jews in, in Jerusalem. He's all of a sudden become one of these Christians. And, and so they're turning against him as an enemy. And meanwhile, the, the, the Christian believers don't, don't trust him because he had come with letters to bring them off and maybe have them killed. So the story continues. When many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. So they were going to capture him and, and probably find some way for the Romans to kill him. Uh, but it continues. But their plot became known to Saul. And they were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death, so that they, they, they were going to kill him or cause his death. There was no way for him to escape because the gates were protected. He couldn't, he couldn't leave the city. And then we read, But his disciples, these were the Christians, these were the Christians, took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. So we think of this as his hitting rock bottom uh, that you know everybody was against him. The Jews were against him. The Christians didn't believe in him. They were very suspicious. And but then he goes to Jerusalem, and it gets worse. When he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. So what they did next is they put him on a ship, and and they got rid of him. We got to get rid of him. We we can't have this this. He says now his name is Paul, but he's Shaul. This this Jew who was going to kill us. We can't have him. Um, the, they took him to the port city of Caesarea, put him on a ship, and sent him back to Tarsus, where he came from. And he and and they didn't want anything to do with him. Wipe their hands. They don't want him. They don't want him. You go back, they said, and you study the the scriptures. You need to know more about the scriptures, which is in fact exactly what he did. And that led to what we read in his letters. Uh, much of what he was doing was what we call um, a midrash, where he's he's digging down into the depth of scripture and pulling out this wonderful hidden meaning, which he's being made, which he makes known in in his letters, uh, which I, I I truly love the letters of Paul and and see how he dug out uh, this from from the depth of scripture, this incredible richness understanding of of uh, this Jesus of Nazareth, who was the promised Messiah, you know, and what. It just it's filled. Paul is filled. It's just so he hit rock bottom, but look, look at the result, which is absolutely wonderful. So I I've given you these stories so that you can stop and think. When you hit rock bottom, how did you respond? You may be hitting rock bottom, how will you respond? You may have friends and family who are hitting rock bottom, how do you help them? Well, I think in every case, we, we, we have prayer. We have the power of prayer, and we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. You know, when I hit rock bottom, uh, which was a very serious rock bottom in my life, 
I had to, to, to be patient also. It was a period of time before God was able to unravel for me this, this rock bottom. Uh, it, it took a period of time, and it didn't happen all at once. I didn't click my fingers, and it didn't happen all at once. It happened over a period of time. And I had to be patient, and I had to be in serious prayer the whole time. The other thing that I did was, because I have the gift of the Holy Spirit in me, um, in my prayer and in my quiet time, I would I would listen. Now, I never heard uh, an audible voice. I, some people do. I don't. But I would have instant thoughts that would, would enter my mind. And those instant thoughts, they came instantly. They didn't, they didn't come through a process of thinking. It was just sort of an instant thing that, that was in my mind. And, and I knew that either that, that, those were the words I was to speak if I were in a situation where I had to speak, or that was an action I was to take. And, and this went on for a period, I, I think it was maybe about a year and a half, um, before God finally solved that entire um, situation. So how, how do we help others? Well, all we can do is, is give them words of comfort, words of comfort from Scripture. Uh, don't do it from, from your own experience. Do it from Scripture. With that, I wish you shalom.